Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever made a promise to another person? I mean, think about that in your own life. I mean, promises come in all different shapes and sizes, right? I mean, if I were to just hold up one little finger, right? Anybody ever made a promise like this before? I mean, maybe in your adult life you don't really make them anymore, right? But, I mean, sometimes we make peaking promises still today, right? I mean, it happens. Sometimes promises, right, don't just happen with one little finger, right? Sometimes promises can happen with an entire hand. Two people come to an agreement, and what do they do? They shake on it, right? Very good. That's the the seal of a promise, that handshake. They've likely entered into a, a contract just with no paper. However many times paper is used, right? When we enter into contracts with people, it's a promise that we're making, right? Whether it be uh, to pay the mortgage of our house, to, to not cheat on any school assignment or test, to keep company secrets secret, depending on your line of work. I mean, how many times have you signed your life away on a piece of paper? Sometimes promises are made without any paper, and just your word is good enough. You tell your parents that you're going to be home at a certain time. Or they tell you when you need to be home and you agree to it. You tell somebody you're going to pick them up at a certain time. You set a meeting for a specific date, time, and place. You promise a friend that you won't tell their secret that they just told you. I mean, maybe that secret is something like baby news, they're pregnant. Or, you know, maybe it's something not so good, this inoperable condition that will ultimately lead to death. Speaking of death, some of you have made some serious, very serious promises right here at this altar. After spending a short amount or a long amount of time together, some of you, you and your spouse, met right here on your wedding day. And as you stood here, You made promises to one another to love your spouse, comfort, honor, keep them in sickness and in health, forsaking all others to be faithful to them as long as you both shall live till death parts you. And not only did you you use your words, you made that verbal promise and commitment, but you also signed your name on a piece of paper Now, you likely didn't shake hands or lock pinkies with your spouse, but you probably exchanged some rings as a sign and a seal of your promise. And you have that constant reminder right there on your hand. And when you think about all of the promises that you've made throughout your life to someone else, have you kept them? Did you hold up your end of the bargain? Did you come home at the exact moment, hour, minute, second that your parents asked you to come home? Or did you ever keep them up at night 
because you didn't show up when you were supposed to? Have you ever showed up late to a meeting? Did you ever arrive to pick somebody up after you said that you would? Did you ever keep someone waiting who arrived to pick you up because you weren't ready yet? Did you ever tell somebody someone else's secret that you weren't supposed to tell? Did you fail to pay someone on time or maybe fail to pay them at all? Did you cheat on that homework or that test? And what about your marriage vows? Have you kept them? Have you been faithful to your spouse, your entire marriage? And remember, God's word does say that whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Has your marriage been free from adultery? Have you kept all of the promises you've made to people your entire life? Probably not. I know that I haven't. And what about God? I mean, some might say that, you know, in a marriage, you aren't just making these promises to your spouse, but you're also making those promises to God. But what about those promises that we make to God? Do we keep them? What kind of promises do we make anyway? I mean, have you ever said anything to God in prayer? Like, hey God, I, I know that you can hear me. Uh, if you just do this one thing for me, I promise that I will stop doing the sin that I'm constantly doing. Uh, God, just please heal my spouse, my child, my parent, myself me. And if you do, you know what? I'm going to give my entire life to you, God. I will dedicate all of the days and years that I have left to serving you. God, if you do this thing for me, I will give you more money than I've ever given you in the past, which I know that that's not hard when the number is zero, but I'll do it, God. I will. Please, God, just do this one thing for me. And I promise that I will never ask you for another thing again. Some of you maybe made some very serious promises right here at this altar as well and not on your wedding day. But maybe on your confirmation day. Right? The promises that you made to God were something like this. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? You may have said yes by the grace of God. Then as you grew and matured, you made your way to this altar in marriage. And then maybe later, you came to this baptismal font where you as a parent, maybe even as a godparent, made promises on behalf of children. Something like you will ensure that they are instructed in the way of the Lord, that you'll join with the church in teaching them the Holy Scriptures, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Creed. You may have even answered a question like, do you intend to faithfully lift them up in prayer, nurture and help them grow in the Christian faith, encourage them toward faithful reception of the Lord's Supper and help them to live out their life and faith until Jesus comes again? And you said, yes, with the help of God. 
as you think about all of these things, the question is, how many times do we keep our promises to God? I mean, when you, when you think about the people that maybe you were confirmed with, how many of them are still faithful to God and his word? How many of them that stood there with you that confirmation day are still standing in the faith, even if it's not here? How many of them do we see only when it's time to get married? Or when they are married and they bring their children to be baptized? How many parents that have brought their children to baptism have we not seen since? How many children that have been brought to baptism have we not seen since? How many of you have made promises to God and not kept them? Have you been faithful to God all of your days? Probably not. I know I haven't. But I do know someone who is faithful. Someone who makes promises and keeps them. We see this in the Old Testament reading from Genesis today. As God makes a covenant with Abram. And he's not Abraham just yet. Right? That ha is still to come. Fulfilled with Isaac. You'll hear that next week. And to better visualize what's happening here in this covenant with Abram in Genesis 15, I have a video that I'm going to have you watch. And it's uh, somebody that my friend, a fellow pastor, put together. And, and this week I made an updated version. But as you might know in movies, sometimes remakes aren't as good as the original. So here's the original, because I don't think my remake is good.
God first made a promise to Abram in Genesis 12 when he originally called him to go to a land that he was going to show him where this land is and when would he give it to him? Only God knew. He also told Abram that he would make him into a great nation and that all people would be blessed through him. Here in Genesis 15, God follows his words by making a covenant, literally cutting a covenant with Abram. He again, again reiterates what he told Abram, this time showing him all of the stars in the sky because this is how many his offspring will be. You can't count it. We are all offspring of that covenant, this covenant that was cut. And so God tells Abram to bring these animals, which was a custom back in these days that Abram knew about because he brought the animals and then he cut them in half. Now, what would normally happen with a covenant like this is that two parties would come together. They'd stand on opposite sides of this tiny valley and cut animals in half so that the blood flowed down, making what is called a blood path. The participants in the covenant then took turns walking through this blood path, splashing the blood on their feet and legs. The spoken, but more often unspoken, message of this bloody ritual was, if I fail to hold up my end of the bargain, my promise, do to me what we've done to these animals. And if we really think about the promises that we've made to others, and especially to God, We've entered into a covenant relationship with him. And if you think about all of the promises you've broken against God, whether or not you've lived faithfully out your baptismal promises, whether you've lived out the words of your confirmation, remaining faithful every single day, living out your marriage vows until death parts you and your spouse, how many times have you chosen other things over God? 
sports, sleep, work, people, and you've made them into an idol? How many times have you committed murder, even if it was just hatred in your heart towards someone? How many times have you committed adultery, whether it be lustful thoughts towards someone, sex before marriage, being in an intimate relationship with someone when it's not a male and a female? How many marriages have ended in divorce because of irreconcilable differences? How many times do we say, God, I promise to do better this time? And then we do the same sin over and over and over again. For all of this, what we deserve is what those who don't keep the covenant receive. We deserve the same death as those animals. We deserve our blood to be spilled, to be shed, for us to be split in two. That poor bunny, right? We deserve the physical death for all of our sin. We deserve eternal death. Hell, damnation for every disobedience against God. We are not covenant keepers. We are covenant breakers. If we go back to God's covenant with Abram, you'll notice that Abram is sleeping. And while he is sleeping, this smoking fire pot and flaming torch pass between those animals, those pieces of the covenant. We'll see later in God's word that his presence sometimes takes the form similar to this. He leads the Israelites in the wilderness as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Smoke would fill the temple and the glory of God would be there. So in this covenant, Abram did not walk between the animals. It is God and God alone who passes through these animals. And it is that day that God's covenant is established with Abram, a one-sided covenant at that. God excluded Abram from walking in blood in order to demonstrate his grace. God shows Abram his willingness to suffer and die to keep his promises. And of course, we know in Genesis 3, God's promise to save his people from sin and death because we have failed to love honor, serve, and obey him because we have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. The Savior's heel would be struck. Now, God's covenants are based on his mercy and grace, not on any of the merits of people. That's why we don't walk through. Only he does. And as we'll see, Jesus is going to walk that path to Calvary. And only he would know what it means to suffer and die for his people. As his blood is poured out there on the cross for the sins of the whole world. For your sins and mine. Jesus does this because he knew it was the only way for us to receive the forgiveness of our sins. For us to receive eternal life rather than eternal death. You see, God never breaks his covenants. He never breaks his promises. He is a covenant keeper. With Adam and Eve, with Noah, with Abram, and every other person he enters into a covenant with. He breaks not a single one. And so when we break our covenants with God, and 
you know, may I meet this bloody split in two end if I don't fulfill my covenant with you. God is the one who bears that punishment. God is the one who bears that burden, not us. And he does this to free us from sin and death. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead proves that he has one heaven, that all who believe in him will have everlasting life. And he sent his Holy Spirit to give us the gift of faith so that we can believe in him, so that we can keep our promises, that we can keep our covenants with God. And as the Hebrews benediction says that you heard, may God work in us, equip us with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. The covenant keeper helps us keep covenants in life, in marriages, in relationships, with your children, with your parents, with him, in everything. And in the end, God's willingness to enter into a covenant with us and then pay the price when we fail to honor it is the greatest gift we could ever receive. And that's the price that Jesus gladly paid for you, for me, and for the whole world. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.